0: 12. We're going to look at the first three verses there today. And uh, if you're live streaming with us, we had to black you out just for a little bit because we talked to a couple global workers who are working in a sensitive part of the world. That's why we pulled away from you. Now we're back. So, and I was supposed to say one more thing. Uh, if you would like to talk with Nate and Jess, they'll be in the foyer at a kiosk afterwards, or they're also presenting in the transitions class on December 8th. So that's during the first hour you could go first hour and then this service. So there you go. But those are two good chances uh, to connect with Nate and Jess. All right. So thanks. Sorry, I forgot that. So um, I'm going to ask you a question. When is the biggest, if you think through your life, like what's the biggest risk you took and you're really glad you did? Like that was a huge one, but you're glad you did. And so I um, did some pre counseling this week with a couple that apparently the first date from his perspective was awesome. But from her perspective, it was no good at all. There were absolutely no sparks. And so he had to convince her for a second one. And that took, as I was hearing that story, it's like, wow, that took a lot of courage. Your ego, you know, is just laid out there, but it, it worked like it, and there they are. They're going to head that way. So maybe you're sitting next to somebody this morning, that it, you ended up marrying, and that was a risk to ask, okay? So um, maybe it was something in a business world where you took, uh, your, your group decided to take a big risk, and it's paying off dividends. Maybe for you, it was a career change, or, but just what's a risk that you have taken that you're really glad that you did? I hope you um, enjoy Thanksgiving this week. It's one of my favorite holidays. I, it's a great time to just pause sometime and think about how good God has been to you, and I don't know if your family has a tradition of reading, you know, some of the the stories, the historical background behind Thanksgiving. I heard one of those this week about the English separatists that were being persecuted because of their belief and faith in Jesus Christ. And so part of their incentive of coming to the new world was not just to escape persecution, but to get the gospel to the peoples of North America. And so uh, these folks, a lot of blue collar folks that had not traveled much before, got on two ships, 200 of them, the Mayflower and the Speedwell, and I had never heard of the speedwell, but there's a good reason for that. As soon as they left, the speedwell started taking on water, right? So they had to circle back, and the group of 200 started saying, Wait, was God really in this? Must not have been, because look what happened to the speedwell. So the numbers dropped to about 120 people, piled onto the Mayflower, about the size of a volleyball court, and traveled 66 days across the Atlantic Ocean. A lot of them were children. There was a pregnant woman on board, like sometimes we're even nervous about flying in a 757 when we're pregnant. This woman was on the Mayflower. And so 66 days through some pretty stormy water, there were times where the mast of the Mayflower would dip into the water on one side and then rock completely over and dip on the other side. I don't know about you. I don't think my stomach would have done so well on that trip. In fact, one of the crew, one of the sailors taunting uh, these folks called them, uh, song-singing pukers. Like that was his way to kind of scold them, because in spite of all this, they kept praising God and all this. And ironically, out of all the people who took the trip, that man was the only one who died on the trip. Like, so I don't know if that was God's justice or whatever. So, but a lot of fascinating details of the amazing risk um, that those f- f- folks took, not just in the journey, but even in that first year. You should dig into that but the way God used that risk and, and in many ways advanced the gospel. So, but here's what's been especially challenging for me, uh, planning this sermon, and this won't be one of my clearest, I'll just be honest with you. Um, but, but asking this question and ask yourself too, when is the last time you took a big risk taking God at His word, obeying His commandments, and clinging to His promises for something that would bring blessing not to you, but would bring blessing and hope to many others. And so asking these kind of questions, like are we wasting our lives? Are we playing it safe? Are we being cautious? Are we trying to protect what we think is ours, but bottom line, we can't really protect much. Um, But are we trying to protect what we can't really protect? Or are we radically investing our lives in what will matter for all of eternity? So we're kind of, this sermon is kind of the capstone of our introduction to Genesis. We're going to pick it up again in June uh, and go through some of the key characters in the book of Genesis. But what we've seen in the first 11 chapters, just in quick synopsis, is that in chapter one, we have a God who merely spoke and the heavens and the earth came to be. We see his glory as you think about today, what we're learning more and more about the expanse of the universe, 100 billion stars, 100 billion galaxies, like just how glorious God is in just speaking and creating all that. But at the end of chapter one, the peak, the pinnacle of God's creation was when he created the first man and woman. And uh, it is at that point that God said creation was very good because he had created two image bearers who would know him. He blessed them. Like all they did was show up and he blessed them. So we see the heart of God. He's not just a great, all-powerful God, but he's a very good God that loves to bless his people. And he gave that first man and woman the beautiful assignment of being his image bearers, of reflecting his greatness and his goodness throughout all the earth. He said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. You'll see that throughout the scripture, God has in mind the whole earth that he wants to bless. And our role as image bearers are to reflect his image to this whole planet. And so I kind of speed it up, like you see a couple detours to this. We see people rejecting God in Genesis 3. We see Uh, the the need to flood the earth because of how wicked the earth became. And God kind of did a do-over with Noah. But even then, there was a lot of disobedience. And so now we're in chapter 12, and we're looking at this man named Abram. And let me just throw it out. There's two names. I'm going to probably call him Abraham sometimes. But what we're going to see in our text is he's called Abram. Abram meant father, uh, exalted father. It was probably a reflection of, that Abraham was from a culture, we'll talk a little bit more about this, that worshiped other gods, the moon gods and these kind of things. And so exalted father was probably just a generic like religious name from that culture. But God changed his name to Abraham, which means father of multitudes. That happened in Genesis 17. So on this end of his story, I may call him Abraham or Abram, same dude. Okay, so just wanna make sure we understood that. So everybody stand up and let's read the first three verses then. Of Genesis chapter twelve, I'll read them. You guys follow along, we'll pray, then we'll we'll dive into these verses. Says now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Father, we pray that you would take these words and that you would impress them on our hearts today, that you would talk to us as your people through your word. And could I ask you to pray just shortly here? Could you ask God to teach you something that that you need to hear this morning, that you would listen and that you would put it to practice? And then I would really appreciate prayers for me that I would speak clearly, that I would speak from God's word, I would speak boldly, but just pray for me this morning. So God, talk to your people today from this great passage and from this great story. In your name we pray, amen. All right, you can grab a seat. So we're gonna see three things. There's an outline in your bulletin. You can follow along. We're gonna see three qualities of the people that God is looking for to rally around him in this cause of wanting to bless all the nations, all the families of the earth. He's looking for a people of faith, people of promise, and people of action. So when you see the story of Abraham beginning here, it's not like Noah. If you were with us for the Noah story, when the world was getting so dark and so violent and was destroying itself, Noah stood out as a righteous man, And so God chose Noah and God worked through Noah. We don't see something like that about Abraham. In fact, there's nothing in this text or in the Bible that lets us know that Abraham was seeking God in any way. This appears to be God pursuing Abraham. And again, as I said a little bit earlier, we do know that Abraham was from a family. His father, Terah, worshipped other gods. And he's in a very prosperous part of the world, like Jess mentioned earlier. Uh, Ur of the Chaldeans was, was in that time, very cosmopolitan, very advanced. Uh, it was the end of the Bronze Age. And so uh, he was from a um, area that was definitely not a God-seeking area. There were not huge pockets of believers in God in this area. And yet God uh, spoke to, God chose, reached out to Abraham, all right? And so... Um, And God gave him two staggering commands, two staggering, just right out of the blue. First one was go. Okay, this was massive. Go, leave this. Like leave a very comfortable cosmopolitan area. Leave your family. Leave, uh, really in that day, it would be leave your sense of financial security. Like leave your profession. Leave a place you're very comfortable with. He's 75, so he's you know, kind of towards the the end there, like, so leave all that's comfortable for you and I want you to go. So uh saying goodbye to loved ones, there's no cell phones, there's no Skype, there's no email, you leave, you leave. And so this was a huge ask. I want you to go. And then the second blessing, I'm sorry, the second command is not necessarily clear in our translations. But like what we just read says, go and you will be a blessing. That's actually an imperative. The imperative is be a blessing. So the two commandments are go, be a blessing. Go, be a blessing. Those are the two commands. And tucked into this was a promise. And one of the big promises was that you will become a great nation. So another thing beyond just these two massive commands, uh, because I don't know if Abraham asked, okay, be a blessing, like, how am I gonna be a blessing? How am I possibly gonna bless all the families of the earth? Like, I don't got that much. Like, I don't, I don't know what his response to that was. But a big part of this uh, that took faith as well was his promise that you would, you would become a great nation. At this point, Abraham had no kids and he was 75. And we're gonna learn a lot of really cool things about his wife, Sarah, as we go on. But the only detail we're given now at the end of chapter 11 was that she was barren. She was unable to have kids. So that's just another huge step of faith that's tucked into this whole part of Abraham's life, and God is looking for a people of faith. And so Abraham had these big requests laid out and was called to do these two big commandments, go and be a blessing. But what's really cool here, and you'll see this throughout the scripture, is that God doesn't just lay out a kind of a blind command And so I hope that works out for you. But the commands of God are wrapped with the promises of God. And so we're going to see that here in this story of Abram too, that this wasn't just a blind faith. It wasn't like, hey, just go run into a wall and tell me how it feels. Like this was a, 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 these were two big commands, but they were wrapped with some amazing promises and blessing that God was going to give Abram. So what's interesting about Abraham is that he's the most talked about person from the Old Testament in the New Testament, except for Moses. And there's a lot of details to his story. Like Jess mentioned earlier, Hebrews 11. There's a great section in there where you can learn more details about Abraham's life. But there's one in Acts chapter seven that tells us that the glory of God appeared to Abram, Like when, when he was hearing this, these two commands from God, they, they weren't just like scripted from some generic or uh, some just kind of... Um, just, just a message here. I just want you to do these things. These two commands were wrapped in the glory of God, like the glory of God appeared to him. So in some way, this God that we've seen from Genesis 1, who created heavens and earth, just spoke and the galaxies came to be. This God who blessed the first man and woman, just all they did was show up. Somehow that glory of who God is, his greatness and his goodness, was wrapped up in these commands, that the glory of God appeared to Abram. And so we also see that in our text we just read, the two commands hang out there, but there's three promises under each command. There's a command, three promises, and then from that place of being blessed, here's the second command and three promises as you do those. It's kind of the layout of the text. So let's look at it again. So the first command was go, and then there's three three promises under those. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great. So if you can imagine somehow you know, being approached by a glorious God saying, now go, and here's three things I'm gonna do for you. I'm gonna make you a great nation, I'm gonna bless you, and I'm gonna make your name great. Like, wow, there, had, there, there was something absolutely compelling in that. And, and again, the commands of God for us will only be compelling to us when we see the God who's behind those. Like the God who gives us command loves us, uh, is after big things in this life. He's after exalting his name, uh, advancing the gospel to the ends of the earth. So like when there's a command, there's a good reason behind that command when you know the God that's behind it. If you just see a command and you think that God is cruel or he's mean or he's gonna hold back on you, you're not, you're not gonna be drawn to those commands. But when, when Abram saw those commands, you know, co- kind of surrounded by the glory of God, they were compelling to him, particularly those three promises, be blessed, be blessed, become a great nation, and make your name great. And so, if you were with us last week, this is a completely uh, different heart and attitude and and purpose for life than we saw in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 was the story of the Tower of Babel. Wade did a great job with it last week, how he talked about the Babel heart. Like, the people of Babel uh, did not want to follow God's command to fill the earth. They wanted to stay close. They wanted to rely on themselves. They built a tower for themselves to kind of make a name for themselves. And Wade did a great job of talking about that's our Babel hearts too. Like we're not so much about making, you know, making other people, blessing other people. We're after a name for ourselves. We're after protecting ourselves. And so just a great picture Wade had last week of imagine these people at Babel building this little tower You know, and they're trying to show how great they are, you know, and how significant. They're gonna make a name for themselves. (laughs) And meanwhile, here's the God of the galaxies. You know, he's just made 100 billion stars, 100 billion galaxies. Kind of stooping down and looking at these guys, little dinky tower, you know. Wow, you guys, that is really cool. Like that's really big, that's significant. Meanwhile, backdrop of all creation and the galaxies and everything. And so remember in last week's text, you know, it says that God stopped that. Like he confused their languages And he scattered them. When some people read that text, they go, what was the deal? Was God afraid of them? (laughs) Like, was God afraid that these little people in that little tower was going to take over his glory and all that he's made? Now, I just love how Wade brought it out last week. Like, no, God was not afraid of them. But God was sad for them. Like, that is not the way to live a life. Like, that's a wasted life. Trying to make a name for yourself. Trying to build your own little dinky towers. When, in contrast you're invited into a life by the God of the galaxies to let him make a name for you, to let him bless you and then release you, not to make a name for yourself or to be protective of what you've got, but to be a person who takes the blessings of God and shares them. Like that, that's why God stopped Babel. He wasn't afraid of them, but he was sad for them. Don't live that way. What, what we're seeing here is that God is inviting Abraham into a completely different way of life two very difficult commands, but just deeply wrapped with these amazing promises. So the first command, go, I'll make you a great nation, I'll bless you, and um, I'll make, make your name great. So then the second command kind of spawns out of that. So, so if you do that, then I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Like that's, that's now from that place that Abraham will be a blessing to the nations of the earth. Like with what God has given him, now he will go fulfill that second command of being a blessing. And then there's three promises after that, that I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who dishonor you. And then I will bless all the families of the earth. And so again, bottom line there is, uh, and we've even heard it from Nate and Jess this morning, that as you're a people of God now setting out to bless the world with what you've been blessed with, that is not going to be an easy task, and you see that throughout the scripture, there's going to be opposition, there's going to be hardship, I mean here's two awesome people, Nate and Jess, who have given up their lives, and have had the door shut in their face a couple different times, so you're going to need some promises around that, as you're being a blessing, it's going to be hard, but God's saying, I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who dishonor you. Again, it's not going to be an easy road. It doesn't mean there will be no opposition, but what God is promising there is his protection over this cause and over this message and over this gospel. It will spread. Again, you, you may not see it. There may be some opposition coming your way, but God is going to so protect you in cursing those who dishonor you, blessing those who bless you, that at the end of the day, this, this plan will work. You will invest your life in something that will matter for eternity. And then again, that last promise is all the families of the earth will be blessed. He's got our back and what we're investing in will work. It will go to the ends of the earth. Those are the promises of God and how powerful and privileged of us this morning to hear somebody that's in the midst of that, saying that's what we're clinging to. That's why we are going back. And so so that's, God is inviting us to be a people of faith, a people who cling to his promises. And I just got to ask you this morning, um, what are uh, the promises of God that you are clinging to this morning? Because I think if we lose sight on the promises of God, that could explain why maybe for some of us we are drifting from taking risks for God. Like if we're not aware of the promises or what God is doing for us, what he says he will do for us, then we're going to drift. We're not going to cling. So what are the promises you are clinging to I've had some hard spots in the last few months and i um, didn't bring it but i've got different moleskins that i just write in and so i'll read the bible uh, in the morning and then just write what did god show me from that and i write out some prayers but some of my favorite parts in that is that at different times where i feel like my heart just needs an injection of the promises of god i'll just have a couple of pages where at the top it just says god's promises and then i just take time and just fill those in. Like, what has God said in His Word? What are some promises we can cling to? You guys, we need that. We need to be reminded of what God has said He would do. You know, another thing you could link to that this week is Thanksgiving. Like, make sure there's some time this week where you're not just looking at the promises of God looking forward, but what if you looked back? And saw how God was faithful to you. How his promises have come true for you. Like those things catapult us into courageous, risk-taking living. And otherwise we forget. We forget how good God is. The God who gives us these commands. So I encourage you uh, to spend some time doing that this week. So God's looking for a people of faith. A people who can just wrap their arms around his promises. And then God is ultimately looking for a people of action people of action. So verse four says that Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And so uh, just want to give, here's a map, kind of give us a little visual of what's been going on. So it's kind of like an eye exam. For some of you guys in the back row, I'll try to help you out with some of these places. Can you all see the big letters, like where it says Babylonia, halfway down on your right? If you don't, I've got a couple of names of some good eye doctors you could check with. But so that's kind of where Abram started from. Under Babylonia, that word is, is a smaller font that says Ur. So that's where Abram was when he heard the call of God. Again, that was a very, for that day, into the Bronze Age, uh, you know, very, you know, civilized part of the world. And God called him to go. So then you see, if you go up between where it says Hittites and Assyria, right in between there is Haran. And so Abram and his father and his family after Abram got the call went up to Haran and that's where his father passed away. And it was from that place then that Abram then uh, fulfilled the call of God to go. And so that that little trek downwards towards Damascus and, and towards Shechem show uh, some of the verses we're reading right now that this is where Abraham went uh, in obedience to God's call to go. So he's taking action here. So um, it says that he went and, and um, Abram was 75 when he uh, departed. So one thing you're seeing here is he's a man of action. Obedience is the evidence that your faith is real. You know, otherwise, your faith is just like a realm of intention or, you know, good wishes. But it's when you actually move, when you actually do what God is calling you to do, that you're obeying. And that's, that's what God loves. Bottom line, he loves our obedience. Not so much impressed with... Our experience or the things we've done in our past right now he's looking at are we are we obeying him and so sometimes i think it's hard to remember that a guy like abraham was just a guy like us can you imagine him like packing it up in heron getting ready to move and everybody's going like hey Noah, like what are, or abraham what are the uh, u-hauls doing in your driveway or maybe it's camels at that time with u-haul on the side like what are you doing like why are you loading everything up where are you going and like just mentioned earlier in hebrews 11 he didn't know where he was going. Can you imagine some of those conversations? So yeah, you're packing up. You're leaving us. You don't know where you're going. Uh, Abram, are you okay? Like, is everything, is everything going okay? Should we sit down and have a, have a talk? And so, and even like, as Abram would start telling his story, well, you know, I'm going to go, and I'm going to be a father of a great nation. And they go, Abram, if you've noticed or not, like, you don't have any kids right now. Your wife is barren. You're 75. Like, what's going on? And so, in spite of all those, just the questions and people around him asking. He he obeyed God, and he went. And so, verse 5, and he took Sarah's wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions they'd gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set to go out into the land of Canaan. That was an interesting phrase. I could just pause where it says that the people that he acquired in Haran. There's and I've never seen this before, but did some study toward that. There's some, there's some scholars that took that phrase and that word as kind of a nuance to it where it could be that what happened is that Abram, as he was telling the story of this God who appeared to him and what God was calling him to do, that there were some people that were actually drawn into that. I think what you're seeing here, possibly early on, is that Abram is totally bought into this and he is already giving praise and glory to God and to the point where there's people jumping in and joining him remember, don't think of this as a time where there was people worshiping God all over the region. This would have been a brand new message about a God and his promises and his glory and what he's calling to do. So, so I think what you're seeing here is a guy that is so bought in, he's already convincing others to come and let's go and let's follow this God of glory. And so, so you continue uh, to read, it says, when they came to the land of Canaan, uh, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, the Oak of Morah, And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, uh, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so up at this point, we're reminded of the land that he's going through. It was earlier in Genesis that Noah kind of condemned this area. He said, these are some very violent and evil people. The Canaanites were kind of cursed by Noah. So there's Abram going right into the teeth of a very dark area. And, um, and what I, what I love in this part is that as, as he is obeying and entering this very difficult area, how cool is it that God speaks to him again, that God reminds him, okay, you're doing the right thing. You're on the way, like you're in the land. This is the land I'm gonna give you. And how awesome, at that time, Abram didn't, would not have had a Bible, would not have had an iPhone with a little Bible app, right, to read promises from God or reminders. How cool of God to speak to him. And guys, how crucial for us To make sure that we are in this book like it is so easy for us to drift from what god is calling us to do to drift from our mission and that's a reason why we stay in this book that during the week we read this book that god keeps speaking to us and reminding us of his promises and of his calling okay so we see that piece there and let me just wrap it up with a couple more verses so uh, it says that he built there an altar to the lord who had appeared to him and there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. What you see Abram doing is walking through a real dark area. And as he's going along the way, he's building altars. He's stopping and he's praising God. He's, the, the phrase crying out to God had an, it meant to praise God publicly. It meant to cry out and pray to God. And so he's very openly just trying to be a blessing to these these dark, you know, people living in dark times. He's trying to show them there is a God. He is good. He's glorious. And he's praising this God right in their midst. In fact, some of those places they gave us, some of those specific geographic locations were known centers of worship of other gods. And so as he's traveling through the land, he's already claiming it. He's already just praising God as he's going through. And I think of some of us Maybe in the places that we're living these days or the places we're working or going to school. That sometimes we can be in some hard places where maybe you and your faith would be maybe overlooked or scorned in different ways. And maybe there are places where you're the only believer in some of these contexts. Thinking of a student a couple weeks ago now on break with the other college students. But heading into a home that's been really hostile about her faith and asking, like, well, how do, I, how do I share Jesus there? Like, how do I live out my faith there? But here's Abraham just being a great example for us that we just put the life that God has given us as blessed people by God, we put his life on display. And we'd be wise in how we're doing that. Like, for this student in particular, I said, what if this break at Thanksgiving, you just you just showed joy to your family? Like, you served them? You're the one that asks questions? Like, have you ever noticed, like, how rare it is to have somebody to take the focus off themselves and put on others? Like what if you're the question asker? What if you're the encourager there? And if you get an opportunity to talk about your faith in this break, that's awesome. But what if you went being blessed by God to be a servant, to be an encourager, and to be just a positive presence with your family this break? Um, Same thing at work. Like what if you're the one that works hard? What if you're the one uh, that is helpful, that is joyful, that, that puts the life. Again, you have been so blessed from God You don't have to earn people's approval. You don't have to um, get things from them. You're there to serve. Uh, And so you see Abraham putting the life on display. He's a person of action. So so let's just wrap this up. As you look throughout the rest of the Bible, Abram is known for his faith. Again, um, just known as a friend of God, a, a great example to us of faith. As you follow his life, He had to wait 25 years for that promise of a son to happen, but God was faithful in that promise. But there were many things Abram did not see. He did not see from all these promises from God. He didn't see a great nation. Uh, He saw a son named Isaac. Uh, He never got to even own a plot of land in this promised land that he was given besides the, the little cave that he was buried in. And so he did live in tents, like in his life, he didn't see the full results of what happened with his obedience. But God was faithful to his promises, like God's plan was not contingent on, is Abraham going to obey me all the way or not? But God's plan is rolling, and God's plan will be fulfilled. And so Abraham, uh, by obedience, by doing what God was calling him to do, continued the plan of God, and, and he honored God with what he did, and so if you follow the rest of Scripture, if I could jump us all the way to the New Testament, if I could jump us all the way to the Christmas story, you go to the Gospel of Matthew. In chapter 1, one it says, this is the story of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So who's going to be the one to bless all the nations of the earth? It's going to be the seed of Abram named Jesus Christ, who the angel predicted to Joseph, Jesus' father, that he would die and he would save the world from its sins. And you see Jesus living his life throughout and gathering followers around him, dying, rising again from the dead to prove uh, that he could fulfill in all the promises God has given to bless the nations of the earth. And then God, or Jesus rallies his people uh, before he ascends to heaven and says, all authority has been given to me. So go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all I've commanded you. And I will be with you always to the end of the age, but make disciples of all the nations. This whole plan of God blessing the nations was was fulfilled through the obedience of Abraham, through his descendant, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now that, that baton has been handed to us that we are to go make disciples of all the nations. And so um, God's plan is working. And then you can even turn to the very back of the Bible, Revelation chapter 5, Revelation chapter 7. And as we see glimpses of heaven, we see people there from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. The plan of God works. All that God promised to Abraham was fulfilled. And the, the question to us this morning is, are we going to step in and be the people that God is calling us to be? A people um, of faith, people of promise, and a people of of action. And so just thinking historically of some ways we've seen that in this movement, in this church, um, I think of our faithful people that we've heard about in the past that lived in Coralville that worshiped, I mean, worshiped in, in kind of a smaller church in Coralville, but had a vision for God to do something bigger and moved Parkview Church to here. You know, I just think of individual stories of people. For example, uh, when uh, Lori and I got to do student ministry here, there was a Sunday, we were talking about discipleship and multiplication, how investing in one person can can bless many people. So we brought a leader up. Remember, we had her stand right there and we were just kind of honoring her that morning. She had been spending about five years investing in students. And we tried to give everybody a picture of what could happen so we had this leader there and we had about five or six students right here we said look at these students that she has poured into and invested her life in and it had been enough time that these students had been their own students that they were reaching out to and so we had like another clump of students up there and it was just really cool to kind of see it visually in front of us but what we did for that morning she had no idea about was that her friend that led her to Christ in high school was back for the weekend. And so this girl named Laura came walking out from back, you know, behind the stage and, you know, girl stuff. They hugged and cried and all of this. So, but it was really cool to just highlight, like Laura had no idea that when she befriended and cared for and loved her friend Sarah when they were at West High on the swim team, that Sarah coming to Jesus would result in these people and these people following Jesus too. Guys, that's just like from a five-year slice Of life, I just say that to encourage you. Like you have no idea. So many of you have faithfully taught God's word. You have prayed for people. You've loved people. You've given to Thanksgiving offerings. Like the things you just do out of your obedience to Christ. When you see that those things are wrapped around with the promises of God, and when they're all centered around something as powerful as the gospel, those things are absolutely changing lives. I think when you get to heaven and you see what God did with your steps, of obedience, you will be blown away. Can you imagine Abram? Like, so yeah, he believed God, and he took big risks and all that. I don't know what it was exactly like when he's dying, and you know, right before he gets shoved in that cave, and he's been just living in a tent. I don't know if there were moments where he wondered, okay, great nation, bless all the nations of the earth. Really? Did that happen? But now from from heaven, like what he's getting to see that God did out of his acts of obedience. Guys, that is inspiring because we don't want to be a people that waste our lives. We don't want to be a people that invest in things that won't matter. We, we want our lives to count. We want our lives to bring glory uh, to this amazing God who has loved us and blessed us in so many ways. And so um, I want us to know, I don't want us to leave just thinking like, wow, Abraham was so awesome. I want us to know that we're invited into the same story of God, okay? There are are several passages in the New Testament we could point to, but look at this one. Galatians 3, seven to nine says, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith, are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So this isn't like Abraham was just the father of Israel, the Israelites. No, Abraham's descendants are people that show the same kind of faith in God that Abraham did. And the same promises God gave to Abraham, God gives to those who have Abraham's faith in God. And so um, that's, that's what God is inviting all of us into this morning. He wants us to be a people that are so blessed by him that we can be a blessing even to the extent of all the families of the earth. And again, a couple more instances of how Parkview has done that. I remember in the early 2000s when our hearts were just crushed by a part of our city where it seemed like um, there were a lot of hard things going on and we found out when Best Buy moved out to Coral Ridge that there was a space that we could rent and that from that place in a six block radius, 80% of the poor in Johnson County lived. We just saw that as a place like if we could be there, if we could serve from there, if we could build relationships from there. Like, what could God do in our lives and in those folks' lives? And to see God take that step of faith and obedience, and it spawned into the spot. It has spawned into Faith Academy, and, and God is using that to take the gospel into um, some some places that we certainly weren't reaching 15 years ago but that was an example of this church stepping out in faith so powerfully I think of kind of around the same time period where God really got a hold of us I think historically Parkview had a heart for the nations but there was something where that got coupled with our college ministry in the mid 2000s where folks like Nate and Jess responded to what God is doing around the world and, and we've got so many folks deployed particularly to unreached people's in what's called the 1040 window and how God has moved uh, from our midst, people who have demonstrated Abraham-like faith to take the gospel to the nations. But that is to say that God has moved in this church in powerful ways as he did in, in Abraham's life. And so, but my, my circle back to me, starting with me, but to you guys is like, is there a sense where we are resting on what we have done? And what am I doing now? Like, what? What that, again, that was the challenge to me this week, is where am I taking these kind of risks to obey God in such a way that it may sacrifice me, but it's going to result in blessing uh, going out to many, many others, even to the extent of the ends of the earth. When's the latest time? When's the last time? Because, guys, that is when our walk with God is going to be fresh, it's going to be vibrant, our worship be uh, just... When's that when's the last time that's just been a great question for me So let me close with a couple of things. Uh, there's a great book. It's a little bit It's about 10 or 15 year olds, years old now. It's called don't waste your life By john piper. I read it and I've, it's a reread for me Let me just give you a mashup of some of his best quotes from that book. Don't waste your life He said if I wanted To come to the end of my life and not say i've wasted it Then I need to press all the way in all the way up To the ultimate purpose of God and join Him in it. The greatest cause in the world is joyfully rescuing people from hell, meeting their earthly needs, making them glad in God, and doing it with a kind, serious pleasure that makes Christ look like the treasure that He is. You only get one pass at life, that's all, only one. And the lasting measure of that life is Jesus Christ. So, our invitation this morning you guys, is to be the people of God who are blessed by Him to be a blessing and and to live out that plan of God to be a blessing to all the nations through faith in Him, relying on His promises, not our performance, and seizing the chance to invest our lives in something way bigger than us that will way outlast our lives. So let's pray. Let's close prayer as a church. Let me ask you to start this prayer time and I want you to just thank God for how he has blessed you. How has God been good to you? Just thank him for his blessing in your life. And could I ask you to talk to God about one more thing? Could you? ask him um, what's next? What's the next step of obedience you are calling me to God that may be a, come at a risk but it's wrapped in your promises and it's to bring blessing to others, to many others, to even to all the families of the earth. God, what's that next step? Basically looking in your heart for God, am I compl- complacent? Have I slacked? Am I, am I risk-averse right now? Am I playing it safe? Do I have a babble heart, if you look at last week? Or, or God, what's next? What are you calling me to do to obey you, to trust you, so that others will be blessed? Just, just ask them that. Explore your heart in that area this morning. God, you're an amazing God, and we saw from this life This man named Abraham, he didn't even know you, he wasn't seeking you, and you invaded his life with your glory, with your blessing, with your goodness, and then you invited him into a cause. Uh, This is the greatest cause to invest our lives in. He did not waste his life. And God, I just pray, uh, again, I thank you. There are so many examples of people in this church, of the ways this church has, has followed Abram's lead, has been a people of faith, clinging to your promises to be a blessing for the ends of the earth. But God, I just pray that you would show us where we're being complacent. You would show us where we're holding back. That you just let us know you're not done yet. There's more you're calling us to. More blessing, more uh, just experience of your presence with us. But there's, there's more. And so help us be open to that. Help us seek you. And God, do all of that to bring more and more glory to Jesus, not to us. In his great name we pray. Amen.